Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Cybersecurity Sauna. Thanks for joining us for another session where we sweat out the hot topics in security. So welcome to all our listeners and be sure to follow us on Twitter at hashtag Cybersound. Endpoint protection has been the trusted backbone of many companies' security. But with stories about data breaches and successful cyber attacks constantly in the news, people are beginning to think that endpoint security is dead. Whether or not you agree with this statement, you're probably wondering if there's any truth to it. So today, F-Secure's principal security consultant, Antti Tuomi, is joining us from Japan to help us get to the bottom of this claim. Welcome to the show, Antti. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do at F-Secure? My title is uh, principal security consultant, which pretty much means that I help different kinds of customers uh, in basically strengthening their security posture or dealing with threats and dealing with uh, attacks they're facing. And I I work with a lot of organizations worldwide. For example, um, I've worked with uh, companies in the aviation industry, but also in, in finances, online gaming and so on. And, and more recently, for example, very uh, young and agile cloud service operators or like, you know, young agile organizations utilizing cloud services over here in Japan. Endpoint security is sometimes proclaimed to be dead and sometimes said to be an important part of an organization's security program. What is endpoint security to you? Well, to me, endpoint endpoint protection is basically the the foundation, like you know, the the very simple, the as we say in, in Japanese, the kihon no ki. So the first simple step that you should have in place, uh, regardless of what you do. So basically, kind of. The fact that you have something that blocks the known threats, like these programs that we already know are are bad or these exploits that we already know. So at least being able to block that is a very important like beginning part. That being said, uh, usually in the work that I do, we often come across a lot of, let's say, attacks or or let's say ways to abuse an application or a system that do not fall within the bounds of this endpoint protection or this, you know, for example, uh, the attacks might be targeting a web application or they might be related to a business logic of an application. And in that case, it's not really something that endpoint protection by itself can take care of. So to kind of put it shortly, to me, endpoint protection is the the basic building block. Let's try to get the flu vaccine. That's, you know, try to get rid of the, the, the ones that we know are bad, but it, your work is not done after just installing that. So we're not just talking antivirus anymore, although that's in there. We're not talking firewalls, although those are in there. Um, also, not all endpoint protection is equal. Um, what makes the difference to you? Basically, what's nowadays called endpoint protection, I think, is the combination of all the technologies you can use to protect individual endpoints. Let's say, for example, workstations. In order to protect an endpoint, you do need the antivirus or anti-malware or sometimes, you know, be able to block those exploits. And also, what's usually included is some kind of a firewall, like a managed firewall type of application so that it's easy for an organization to collectively set like, okay, these these laptops are used by the sales team. They don't need to expose any ports towards the internet. And these guys are the developers workstations. So these guys, we want to manage like this. And definitely having all of those features there and also later on the detection and response part where you can, if something were to happen, you're also able to, in a centralized way, react to the intrusion or, or to the attack. 
it's it's that's very important yes endpoint protection softwares or you know products are not all equal i mean some of these some of the products only have this for example anti-malware part or some of them might not have the firewall part some of them might include a uh, detection and response capabilities as well. So there's definitely a difference in in the features and also the capabilities of, for example, in detection. So, for example, if you take a look at the the AV test, the antivirus test organization, they publish results on like which anti-malware or endpoint protection suites have the best detection capabilities and so on. So definitely you can see a lot of differences there in depending on which type of a product you choose. You could go into the realm of password managers and and in a in a way securing how the user operates within or uses their their endpoint. What are the sorts of attacks that endpoint protection is made for and what sort of attacks fly under the radar? Usually what the endpoint protection is is meant to deal with is to give uh, like a feasible and, and reasonable uh, peace of mind and safety for the user of the endpoint and also as for the organization. So let's say you have the latest uh, uh, ransomware virus or you have the latest uh, exploit in, for example, against the browser or something. The role of the endpoint protection should be to be able to block that if it makes it its way all the way to your endpoint. So that's, I think that's the extent. But when you start talking about custom applications or let's say malicious users, so let's say there's, uh, for example, a disgruntled employee that, you know, out of their own volition uses their actual, like their own credentials to, let's say, uh, export the whole list of customers or or stalk uh, their, the users of the organization. That's just something that you cannot protect against with uh, software to begin with or endpoint protection software. That's an interesting point. Um, a common distinction is that endpoint protection covers the opportunistic, the commodity threats that randomly hit organizations. And for attacks where the adversary is devoting energy towards a specific organization targeting their attacks, uh, like phishing emails, you need detection and response technology. Would you say that that's an accurate distinction? Yeah, I think that's a very accurate distinction. Like, first of all, for example, these... Um, these targeted attacks or phishing attacks, usually if they're just, you know, if they're very untargeted ones, you just, you know, send out like, you know, some kind of a message that doesn't like target the organization in specific, then, you know, it's, it's the chance of success is, is a lot lower than it would be if it's a targeted attack. One of the more common ways of targeting an organization is these spear phishing type or like these tailored phishing emails. For those you definitely do need uh, detection or response instead of just endpoint protection. And one of the biggest reasons is that to begin with, the let's say if the phishing attack is the kind of like, look, uh, we are now uh, piloting a new um, cloud-based, let's say Office 365 deployment that is going to be used by the, by the sales department. So this is going to make your uh, invoicing process much easier. And you, good sir or good madam, have been selected to be a part of the, the trial group since we know that you will have very great input into this problem. So please try logging on onto our new cloud system using your domain credentials. They only send a, a link to this spear phishing site. And now you click the link, you see the tailored uh, cloud service login thing, and you were told that you can just use your normal domain credentials to try to log in, you input them there. Uh, press enter or click the login button and you get a sorry the system is uh, down for maintenance briefly please try again shortly message but 
your credentials were taken. So at this point, there is no chance that the endpoint protection could have likely or feasibly been able to pick up this attack. And the reason is that it's it's there's nothing on your endpoint to begin with that was malicious. It was basically an email with pictures and links to an external site. So it's very hard for an endpoint protection uh, solution to actually pick that up. So the next step for the attacker is to use those credentials that they obtained using the spear phishing attack. And then, for example, use uh, uh, your actual organization's login page or VPN endpoint or whatever, and use your credentials to get into the, the system or the networks or your email accounts, and then take the attack forward from there. That's where the detection and response comes in. You need to pick up what the attacker is doing, how, where, and with what accounts. And that's, that's very, very important. How likely is it that an organization will encounter the kind of attacks that are out of scope for endpoint protection? It's very likely. It's happening all the time. It's happening, happening right now to most of the organizations on the planet. Like if you have a custom website, you have a web presence, you will be targeted uh, either via automated means or just, you know, someone who thinks you're an interesting target or thinks that maybe it's, it's would be an interesting, you know, thing for me to attack just, just for the fun of it. And there's a bunch of commodity threats that might get through. Uh, there's uh, also a lot of different types of attacks like phishing and also web application attacks that the endpoint protection can't just, you know, arbitrarily block. How does knowing your threat model play into whether you need detection and response solution on top of your endpoint protection? It's definitely important since, you know, in, in security, there is no there is no silver bullet. You can't have one thing that protects you against everything. So you should definitely cover your bases using the endpoint protection and, you know, detection and response solutions. But after that, the actual, you know, the actual attack surface and the threat model of your organization should be one of the key things in deciding how to proceed from there. So, for example, let's let's say you are a bank or a financial organization, then your threat model will likely include uh, attacks such as um, fraudulent transactions and people opening accounts in uh, other people's names or or um, transactions that come in or go through from, let's say, uh, money laundering sources and so on. And in that case, you have to have the specific protections against those kinds of threats. You need to have a security model that allows you to detect and block these transactions and to reverse transactions where necessary and so on. However, let's say if you're a car repair company, then your threat model is completely different. What you're likely worried about is, for example, uh, what if my customer database leaks? What if someone is able to install a ransomware on my on my computers and then I won't be able to service cars anymore? I won't be able to serve my customers. And that's that's your like the threat model is very different depending on the company and, and the industry you're in. The smaller companies typically have limited budgets. Where where should they invest? Should they ditch endpoint security entirely? Should they just focus on detection and response? Do they need both? Security is basically one of the tools for managing business risk. Endpoint protection is usually fairly affordable, even for private customers or for, for small companies. So that's definitely somewhere where I would start to just, you know, have some peace of mind that at least there's a smaller chance that something bad will happen and my, my computers will be wiped or, or, you know, I won't be able to open the, the 
scheduling view for my customers the next time someone calls. So basically for a smaller company, yeah, they have more limited resources, but also their ability to bounce back from a cyber attack is also more limited. So for them, just a single fairly commodity attack could be the end all. Yes, that's true. If you you have limited resources to begin with, you've got let's say you're working on cars or you're working on on something that's not like you know super IT security centric. So just having having to also worry about the how to recover from attacks and you know spend all of that you know your mental capacity into security is is, is kind of a waste in a way. It's it's not your main business, so it's not something so that you should be focusing on. So try to you know. Get some peace of mind with, uh, you know, by covering the commodity threats and then focus on the things you should be doing. What about bigger companies? At what point does a company start needing detection and response solution on top of their endpoint protection? Well, there's no specific point like, you know, let's say if you are more than 20 people or if your revenue is more more than this, then you will definitely need uh, detection and response. That's That's really not the case. You know, on the topic of detection and response, I would say that the moment you have a strong kind of commitment towards your customers or towards the segments that you're serving, let's say, for example, you handle a lot of uh, people's personal information or you handle credit card information or let's say you handle uh, health information. At that point, you, you kind of have this moral obligation to protect the data that you are, uh, the data that you have for the sake of your business. So your business is based on, on the, your customers or, or your segments trusting you with your data. So especially when you go into that kind of a business, I find it very important to invest into detection and response as well. Because just the commodity, commodity threats might not be your, the biggest threat to your business. But if something does get in or uh, let's say a targeted attack get, gets in or even let's say uh, your whole healthcare system network gets gets uh, uh, stopped by ransomware now at that point you are you're in big trouble towards your like both as a business and and both like morally or ethically towards your customers towards your patients and so on so at that point i would definitely think about introducing endpoint detection and and response or in general detection and response to be able to notice if something bad has happened and to be able to respond to it as fast as possible I like your approach. It's almost as if you're saying that as long as the risk is only to you and your own company, you know, do whatever. But if, you ha- if you're responsible for other people, then you owe it to them to do the best job you can. I think that that rings true with me at least. What is the biggest myth or misconception you'd like to bust about endpoint security or detection and response? In general, I think the security knowledge is getting a lot better recently, but uh, especially still some years ago, let's say uh, five or 10 years ago, when when you were talking with organizations about security, usually the first thing that comes to mind is is this antivirus and oh yeah, yeah, we, we have antivirus, we have we have firewalls, so so we have security. Or maybe alternately even like, yeah, 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 we have encryption, so 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 we're secure. That that was definitely the biggest misconception uh, a while ago. Nowadays, I, I think the world is going into a better direction where more and more companies realize that it's not about like we install this product, like install security. Great. Now we have security since we click the install button. And uh, that's that's definitely the the big mis- misconception that I'm fortunately seeing, you know, 
kind of you know fa phasing out endpoint protection is one piece of the puzzle that you need to click in but after that we need to kind of you know step back and take a look at cover of the the puzzle the jigsaw puzzle and go like oh yeah yeah these these were the actually things that we need to protect so and figure out what what are the remaining pieces that we need that's basically the direction i'd like the world to go towards so detection and response on top of endpoint protection is a good idea are there kinds of organizations where even this won't be enough definitely yes or at least there are organizations that might not be able to utilize like these normal it based predictions like endpoint prediction and detection and response. So for example, if we talk about IoT devices, so let's say you have a uh, light bulb that you can control using your smartphone. And usually what's inside is like, you know, you have a small, basically a small computer inside your light bulb and it has some kind of a communication, you know, uh, chip in it. So it can talk with your phone over Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, or maybe it even connects to your Wi-Fi and it, it, it talks with a cloud service that manages your, your light bulbs. So now when you make these small uh, IoT or inter Internet of Things devices, basically you are very limited in the resources that you have on the device. So you have a tiny, maybe a very tiny operating system or a very tiny just, you know, application based on that. And there's no feasible way for you to run, for example, a proper antivirus or endpoint protection on that one. Yet, there are, for example, the Mirai botnet that came out recently that exploits issues in devices exactly like this and was used to mount attacks on, on for example, entire countries like Liberia was being tried to take down using the Mirai botnet. So now you you have this tiny chip that you know is supposed to just control a light bulb. You you just like it doesn't have the memory or the power or the you know the functionalities to even run endpoint protection or or, or detection and response. It's it's just not reasonable. So in these cases, there's you, you just you know your approach has to be completely different. So you can't rely on existing. Uh, solutions or existing like these commodity uh, applications intended for desktops. Instead, what you should be doing is doing this threat modeling for your device and trying to f figure out like, you know, how do we make sure that first of all, um, the application doesn't expose attack surface. So for example, if your light bulb does not have any open ports towards the internet, it doesn't expose any interfaces, then it's suddenly a lot harder to attack. And doing this kind of threat modeling and application and environment-specific protection is, is the most important thing. Makes sense to me. Thank you, Antti, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. That was our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, and you can reach us with questions and comments on Twitter through FSecure with the hashtag CyberSound. Thanks for listening.